Thank you for joining us. In this podcast, we are real people talking about real things, child abuse and neglect, a topic that is all too often left in the shadows of silence, leaving survivors alone, fearful, and oftentimes without a voice. We're having conversations to become louder than silence. It is here where we will invite you to join us and be the change needed to end child abuse and neglect. This is uh, Dick Krugman. I'm chair of the board of the National Foundation to End Child Abuse and Neglect. Uh, I am uh, been involved in child abuse work since, uh, well, really since 1968 when I saw my first case that's discussed on another podcast. Um, what I'd like to talk about now is Henry Kemp's work, uh, how he viewed uh, child abuse, and uh, why I think his approach uh, is so important for us uh, to learn about today. In the 19, early 1970s, uh, the National Center for Prevention and Treatment of Child Abuse and Neglect was here in Denver. And it was a multidisciplinary group of professionals from pediatrics, psychiatry, psychology, social work, uh, education, law enforcement, uh, civil and criminal attorneys, and all worked together to try to sort out what at that time was an early, uh, the early approach of the field, and that was first, how do we identify uh, physical abused, physical abuse and neglect as issues? How do we identify the children and families uh, where this is an issue? How do we intervene and provide treatment so that whatever abuse is going on won't happen again. And if we know how to identify and treat a problem, more important is how do we prevent it? Uh, how do we keep it from happening in the first place? Uh, the center was an amazing place. And in the 1970s, people came from all over the world all over the United States and all over the world to watch Henry and his colleagues deal with cases where children were abused or neglected uh, and to see how the assessment was made as to whether uh, the abuse was happening and how to approach the family and evaluate the family so that you could treat them and keep it from happening again. In the early days, 90% of the families who were treated at the center had their children back with them and they were not abused again. Uh, it was a very thorough understanding of what was it that led to the broken arm, if it was a broken arm of a child or to the shaking uh, or to the beating uh, of a child. And what was necessary uh, for the county 
uh, and the state to provide by way of help. The problem was that what worked uh, in a series of 10 or 100 families that were treated by these superbly trained professionals wasn't something that could easily be replicated in 3,347 counties in the United States. The interesting thing about abuse as a problem is that the jurisdictions, the child welfare jurisdictions, uh, are county-based here in Colorado. Uh, and every county has a different approach. And it, this is part of, part of the issue that we've had in trying to really make this field, have this field move ahead. But the center, uh, among other things, uh, that, that initial center first had a resource center. There was a library, and uh, anyone around the country who wanted information could get it, and there were hundreds uh, of phone calls or requests by mail. This was before the Internet uh, mm -hmm. in the 1970s. Uh, so there was a resource center. Uh, there was the child protection team, who were the professionals who evaluated each case that came to the hospital. Uh, there were treatment services uh, that were being provided, individual and group treatment. One of the best treatment programs was a therapeutic preschool. Uh, the preschool, which was in the lower level of uh, the center, uh, had three to five-year-old children who in the early 70s were children who were primarily physically abused, but from the late 1970s on, were, it was a preschool for sexually abused three to five-year-old children. In 1977, after uh, 15 years of work in the area of physical abuse, Henry Kemp uh, gave a talk, he actually didn't give the talk because he had a heart attack right before he was supposed to give it. Uh, but it was, uh, again, at the Academy of Pediatrics, uh, its meeting was in New York, and he entitled it, The Sexual Abuse of Children, A Hidden Pediatric Problem. Uh, and what he was bringing attention to was that abused children in general, and absolutely sexually abused children in particular, will not talk about what's happened to them because the individuals who are abusing them enforce the secret. Uh, and because they never talk, we never knew what was happening. Uh, it's not as if sexual abuse hasn't been around for thousands of years. It has. But none of us in our pediatric training in the early days, even thought about asking about it. And to this day, I remember a 14-year-old girl who I took care of in 1969, who came into the hospital having taken 50 phenobarbital sedative tablets and 50 aspirin, trying to kill herself. Um, and I worked all weekend with my senior resident trying to get her out of a coma. Uh, 
And then she spent the next four to five days on the ward uh, because I insisted that she see a child psychiatrist. Uh, and while she was on the ward, she was very uh, sexually precocious. She was trying to, uh, she was flirting with the medical students. Uh, and it just seemed like odd behavior in 1969. Uh, later, by 1980, I realized uh, that she was probably sexually abused because one of the ways children who are being abused who can't say it act out is that they try to bring attention to them or they try to get out of this situation by becoming suicidal. Interestingly, um, the secret around sexual abuse changed dramatically in 1991. I happened to be dean of the medical school then, and a former Miss America by the name of Marilyn Vanderberg uh, Adler gave a talk that I arranged at the medical school on her childhood. Marilyn was a Miss America, uh, NCAA champion uh, skier, a straight-A student uh, who disclosed in 1991 that from age 5 to age 18, she had been sexually abused every night by her father, who was a well-to-do pillar in the Denver community. Uh, and the mental health consequences and physical health consequences that Marilyn suffered were substantial. And when she disclosed her past. That led to an explosion of uh, women in the United States who could finally talk about uh, their incest and prior sexual abuse. And she set up a program that was an offshoot of the Kemp Center called Sunrise. And that program treated adult incest survivors, women who had survived incest and were doing well. Interestingly, in 1998, uh, a woman stopped me at Denver International Airport and said, aren't you Dr. Krugman? And I said, yes. She said, well, you probably don't remember me. She gave me her name, but she was in fact the 14 year old who I had taken care of in 1969. Um, and she said, you know, I, I've watched your career here in Denver and I just wanted to say thank you. Uh, and I said, why? She said, well, um, I remember that when I woke up from my coma, you spent almost the whole night talking with me, trying to convince me not uh, to, commit suicide, and to please see a child psychiatrist. And I did see the psychiatrist, and I never told him what was going on, but he did keep me from committing suicide again. And then in 1991, you organized that event with Marilyn Vanderbilt, and uh, I went to the Sunrise program. I've been treated and as an incest survivor, I'm now married, I have two children, and I just wanted to say thank you. And I thought to myself, wow, 
it is amazing uh, how much we don't know if we don't ask, uh, because this is a place, a field in particular, where the shame and stigma of what happens when children are, are abused sticks with them a long time. So the history of Henry, uh, the Kemp Center, uh, its involvement in Marilyn Vanderbilt, uh, coming to the center for help, uh, are helping her have a platform. Uh, the center has started many, many programs over the years that they've exported around the world. And its job is to really be the locus, uh, I think, of where this field needs to go. And that's a little bit why, because my office is now back at the Kemp Center now that I'm no longer dean, it's a little bit why the National Foundation to End Child Abuse and Neglect came out of this center uh, and is now nationally uh, trying to do for the field of abuse and neglect what the March of Dimes has done for polio and for prematurity, what the American Heart Association has done for uh, coronary artery disease and what the American Cancer Society has done for cancer. Um, hope this little history has been interesting. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, let us know. You can see us on our website at www.ncan.org. And this is Dick Krugman. I want to thank each of you again for joining us today and listening in. If you or someone you know is being abused, please call 1-800-4-A-CHILD. To learn more about EndCAN, visit www.endcan.org or find us on all social media platforms. Join us in being louder than silence and being a part of the change. Please leave a comment, like our podcast, or share with your friends. The more the word spreads, the more of a collective impact we can have. If you have a question or you know someone who would want to be a guest on our podcast, please contact be the change at endcan.org. Thanks again and have a great day.